1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwen Jr.
1: And then there were two We are now down to the final two teams. The World Series is set after really two wonderful seven-game series between uh, the Rays and Astros, Dodgers and Braves. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner, John Heyman. A big show for you today. We'll review the NLCS, ALCS. We'll also give you our predictions for the World Series. Our special guest today is uh, A.J. Preller, Padres GM, will join us. Uh, a little later on in the show but uh remember you can follow us on twitter i'm at tony Gwynn jr he's at john Heyman. follow this show on twitter follow us at rdc underscore btb that's big time baseball make sure you subscribe rate and review big time baseball on itunes spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcasts i should welcome in my partner john Heyman. john how are you doing today
2: i'm doing great we are excited we got the world series upon us and uh Very exciting uh, LCSs, two of them. Both went to Game 7, so uh, that was uh, great to see for baseball. It was a little closer than I think you and I expected, but uh, let's uh, give ourselves credit. Pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We did both get that round completely right, and uh, we're on a roll now. So if anybody better is want to listen, uh, we might be helpful to you.
1: <laughs> we could. We could be very helpful to the pocketbook, but, but don't hold us to that because we have been. Well, I know I've, I've been brutal in some of the previous rounds. So that being said, uh, John, these were, as you mentioned, two terrific LCS series. Uh, let's start with the Astros and Rays, it, it looked like there was no such thing as karma there for a second as the, the Astros completely erased the 3 0 lead the Rays had built through the first three games. Uh, they forced a game seven and then, uh, the Rays, as we know them, showed up again and play, were big and big moments. Obviously, Randy, Randy Azarena ends up winning the MVP, uh, of
2: the series. Just a terrific series between both teams, John. Incredible. And, uh, you know, we'll give Houston a little credit here. We don't want to give them too much credit as of course we know uh, all about the scandal and all that. And, uh, you know, some people were kind of ripping me on Twitter for kind of rooting for the Rays to win because, you know, I'm not a Rays fan. I'm not generally against the Astros, but I think this was the year not for the the Astros uh, to not be in the World Series again. I know some people love that storyline, the potential storyline of Astros and Dodger rematch from 2017 and, people like a villain and maybe their ratings would have been a little bit higher than the Rays will be. Cause you know, you know, people aren't uh, you know, the Rays are pretty anonymous as a team generally, uh, but they are a great baseball team and it's going to be great for us uh, real baseball fans. And uh, it worked out uh, fabulously. Uh, Dusty did a great job. I think everybody really uh, got to see Dusty at his best in the press conferences and getting his team and sticking with grinky and making the moves and, guiding that team that, uh, had a losing record, uh, to where it went. And obviously the Astros have terrific talent. We never doubted that. They certainly have resolve. We give them credit, but, uh, let's not give them too cr- much credit this year. We, we understand that there was a scandal. They were at fault and they, they did go unpunished in terms of suspensions and things like that. But, uh, let's give the race credit today because, uh, uh, great job by them. The defense is fabulous. Uh, they they ha- do have that stable full of 98-mile-an-hour throwers that Kevin Cash uh, talks about and uh, Randy Arroz who you mentioned, uh, the hottest hitter on the planet, even hotter maybe than Corey Seager. It's uh, close to a tie at this point, but uh, uh, that's what gets you a win, uh, either timely or great hitting by one guy and pitching and uh, great defense. And uh, so let's give them credit.
1: Yeah, no. Listen, is is clearly how the rest of the country feels about the Astros. I think there's a good amount of people who do feel like that. But you got to respect the fact that they were able, despite all of that, when it came down came down to the important games, they locked it in. And, and Carlos Correa deserves a lot of credit. I just felt like he was the one kind of leading the charge on this whole thing. You, you saw him not only producing at the plate, but in uh, mound visits, things like that, he seemed to be the voice of the team, and um, I, you, you got to respect that. as a former as a former player. I, I I respected the fact that despite all the noise, they just kept going out and playing. But ultimately, the Rays come out on top. And the thing that stands out to me is their defense and their pitching. Their defense was amazing, and it was wasn't just one guy. It was it was a team of guys playing terrific defense, and I, I just. I've gained a newfound respect for Kevin Cash. Just the way he talked about the game, he understands that that ball club cannot afford to give up very many runs. So they have to limit it with their pitching and defense. And it really came to the forefront in that series with a number of different plays defensively that they made to really stop the Astros from winning those games, John.
2: Uh, You're right on Correa. Fantastic. I don't want to spend too much time on the Astros. As I said, we'll give them credit another year. Uh, They'll come back next year, maybe, although uh, they're going to have a tough offseason with uh, not going to have Verlander next year either. And they're going to lose Springer potentially. So anyway, enough on the Astros and the Rays. you know, their defense, fantastic. Wendell, incredible at third base. I'm not going to say Brooks Robinson or Greg Nettles, as I saw some say, but uh, he made every single play that you can make and certainly frustrated uh, Bregman to no end. Adamas, I didn't realize what a great defense player he is. at first stop. And Kiermaier, we all knew about. He's one of the best center fielders in the game. But uh, they, have, they have a good defensive player at basically at every position, and that's a major advantage. So uh, we got to see a little of the reason why they – continue to win, and uh, not only did they beat the Astros, a team that had a losing record, they, they beat the Yankees. Let's not forget that. They did win 40 games. Amazing. Uh, Kevin Cash is a great manager. I, I might have stuck with Snell a little bit longer and uh, Morton a little bit longer. Uh, I'm old school. I love the sticking with Greinke. That worked out. You know, I, I if a guy's pitching well and he's a, a noted uh great game seven starter like Morton and uh, if he's your ace like Snell I'd stick longer but hey I who am I to question Kevin Cass? he's probably the manager of the year in that league yeah I, I would make one one little correction there nobody gets paid with the race uh, so uh, even I mean you you're right you're right about that A Rose, uh, uh, offense generally gets paid but uh, uh, their payrolls what is their payroll 70 70 million uh, third from the bottom at this point so they're getting production uh, guys nobody's getting big pay Rosa Arena's making the minimum and uh he, he he you know I don't want to say carry them but uh, without him they wouldn't be here
1: yeah and that's kind of the point is is because you can't pay free agents to come in because you can't afford to you got to find your scouting department has to be on point with identifying guys who can play the positions and play them at a high level and clearly the Rays have done that all right let's slide over to the NLCS where we saw a Braves team come in and really punch the Dodgers in the mouth. They get off to a 3-1 lead and then you started to see the then you started to see the inexperience of Atlanta come into play and you started to see the Dodgers start to find their ground offensively and they come back, they force a game 7 and I don't know if I can say enough about Mookie Betts. I think it's very rare that you find an outfielder that isn't a center fielder that can be regarded regarded as the best outfielder in the game. Uh, but Mookie Betts is that, and I don't think it's really even close. He can do literally everything defensively. We know what he can do offensively. Um, I just thought he really led the way. I know he didn't necessarily have the big hits uh, for that Dodger team, but he did something to either save runs or get them a chance to score runs. Almost in every single game, John.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, on the uh, the way the series turned, uh, I think you're right. Experience did play a, a role there. Uh, there were some base running mistakes. I think the Dodgers made one or two of them themselves. But uh, certainly uh, they seemed to be more experienced. And in the end, uh, that helped them win. And I mean, you know, they have so many great offensive players. I, I think I can't remember another team. I might be wrong that I felt have three of the best 10 players in the game with uh, Bets Bellinger, and Seager. And I, I feel that the Dodgers have that. So uh, they should have won. Uh, the Braves offense, fantastic. Ozuna, incredible. Freeman, he's the MVP. Acuna's a great player. Did not have a great series in terms of his hitting, but he showed you he can do it other ways with the with the uh, stealing. Uh, they have a great team. They have a great team, but to come up short against the Dodgers, um, uh, nothing wrong with that. Um you know the dodgers are just fantastic and uh you know it would have been something else if they didn't make it a, a, again uh but look, let's give dave roberts credit there at the end Uri is staying in i mean he had a look in his eye it's not all about analytics i know i'm old school uh, I, I appreciate analytics look the rays are in there the dodgers are in, are in there they're two analytically driven teams but sometimes You've got to go with your gut, and you've got to look and see what's going on on the field, and Urias had it. And I, I questioned why not start Urias, and uh, you know, maybe this was their bigger plan was to finish with their better guy. Uh, I mean, I think Dustin May is going to be a star. He throws 100, ball moves, but you know, certain guys had that look in their eye in October, and Urias had it in previous games, and I, I think they had to have noticed that. And maybe that's why he got the three innings and certainly got at the end. And they didn't go to Jansen or uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw, which I think that was the right move in the end. We, 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 I, I don't think I could have watched if Kershaw came in there and, uh, and given it up uh, again. Uh, Who's probably the best pitcher of the last 50 years since Koufax, but uh, happened too often in the postseason. And my, my opinion on this is that all the managers, and they've had excellent managers, they all defer too much to Kershaw and overuse him in the postseason and he's not going to be the one to say you know I'm tired or take me out or whatever if you look at his stats the first six innings he's pretty darn good and they leave him in too long and of course that wouldn't be the case with a one inning stint but uh, I think the managers bear some of the responsibility for his uh, postseason uh, problems but I was happy to see Dave Roberts do the right move and uh, get there and now we have the Davy and Goliath matchup. We have East versus West. We have the seventy-five million-dollar payroll versus the two twenty-five million payroll. So we have a great storyline. I know there are people rooting for that Astros villain storyline. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I like this one better.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I like this one better. Uh, it, it's but it's either way. I think I think it. I think it's going to be a good series regardless. Uh, first, I want to start with the Braves because. Uh, you mentioned the base running blunders. I mean, that fourth inning where they had runners on second, third, and they end up not scoring anything uh, was such a um, momentum changer. Uh, I, I mean, and, and you can even go back to the first inning. Dustin May getting out of that, only giving up one run, um, really just uh, those type of mistakes in the postseason, especially this deep in the postseason, always come back to haunt you. Then, Um, Ozuna, you mentioned how well he played. Uh, we, I, I know they want to bring him back if possible, but he just seems like a a really good fit there. And, you know, sometimes we talk about players, you know, chasing the, the big money. Sometimes you got to find your comfort zone. It just seems like he is, is a perfect fit for that Braves lineup. You'd like to see him come back, um, to the eighth inning, uh, or excuse me, the sixth inning. Kike Hernandez is a bat. I thought was one of the best pinch hit at bats uh, under the circumstances that I've ever seen. I mean, he get to fight off some of those pitches he fought off in order to get that fastball that he hit out uh, from a hitting standpoint. I I'm a nerd. I enjoyed that at bat so much coming off the bench, seeing him execute like that. Uh, And and then you you mentioned, you mentioned Urias. Um, He, he did have that look in his eye. And I think we've seen it really in both series managers, going with their gut, instead of going with the analytics, at least in this particular, these two particular series, it seemed like the gut won out more than the analytics, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it goes like that all the time, but I'm with you on that one, John. I think uh, sometimes it, 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 it it's in the best interest of the team uh, if managers pay attention to what they're seeing sometimes, not necessarily what the numbers say, but uh, we do have a good series lined up. Uh, I, I I I like this series a lot. I think you got uh, strength uh, versus uh, strength on this one. Um, and I think it's a good series. I think this series goes six. I think the Dodgers end up winning it ultimately. And they get this, this huge monkey off their back that's been hovering over them since 88. But uh, I do think this is going to be a, a tightly held series. And when I say six, the Dodgers win. I know this series can really go either way based on how both teams are playing right.
2: Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, a rough rough round. I don't remember that. You had earlier with your predictions. I think your predictions have been pretty good, but uh, you're a very modest fellow. But I'll agree with you on this one. I think Dodgers and six. uh, You know, I see some people out there predicting the Rays. I don't blame them. The Rays have been amazing. Uh, You know, they were the best team in the American League this year, and they won 40 games, and now we're seeing exactly – how they did it. And uh, yeah, I don't blame anybody if they take the raise and there's certain uh, advantages that they may have. I mean, I think their defense is probably better. Uh, their bullpen is more solid at this point. They have those stable full of 98 mile an hour throwers. Uh, they're in good shape pitching wise. They got a day extra day off. Uh, but uh, I mean, the Dodgers, are the best team in baseball and uh, they won 43 games for a reason, so uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to go with that with you. And they, plus, I picked them at the beginning of the year as I usually do. I've always been wrong, at least since 1988. So uh, uh, I can't jump off of it now. Uh, you said a couple of interesting things there, Kike. I wanted to mention. Uh, I mean, he does some surprisingly good things. I was at a game in uh, Wrigley, a playoff game, where he hit three home runs, and uh, you know, he's pretty clutch. Uh, he's got a credit record against Madison Bumgarner, uh, as well. I mean, he's not a, a star on this team. He's a complimentary player, but he's had some huge moments. Um, on Ozuna, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, he just seems much happier. And in fact, I tweeted that he would never seemed that happy in St. Louis. And of course, uh, people in St. Louis, uh, and I love St. Louis. My dad lived in St. Louis uh, when he was alive and, uh, it's a fabulous city, but, uh, that being said, they are very sensitive about their city. Uh, the mere fact that I said is my impression. He didn't seem that happy in St. Louis. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the one of the St. Louis writers had to jump on that with some quote that he got from Ozuna about how he would have been happy to go back and how he would, you know, if they took the qualifying off, if he, uh, you know, would have been fine if he took the qualifying off. Well, he didn't take the qualifying offer anyway. But he that had nothing to do with whether he liked St. Louis or not. He. You know, It's my impression watching him, he just seems thrilled to be with the Braves. It, it may not be the city, it may be the team, whatever. That's my impression, and I'm sorry to the entire city of St. Louis, which I, I do like personally, so don't call me and tweet me or whatever. <laughs> Listen,
1: John, <laughs> your, eye, your, eye, your eyes are not deceiving. I, I see the same thing with Stan. When I, when I watched him play this year and then watching him play throughout the, the, the playoff run, He just looks like a a happy dude out there. And those are usually the guys that uh, end up producing well. And and he certainly has. And he took I love the fact that he took a a bet on himself. He takes the one-year offer, basically a prove-it deal. And uh, he certainly certainly has proven a a few interesting facts about this World Series before we move on to the inside corner. Uh, First time a neutral site World Series. Both the games will be played at the Rangers' new facility, uh, Globe Life Field. Uh, this is the fourth time in the wild card era since 1995. The teams uh, with the best records in each league will meet in the World Series. So this is, as I said, strength versus strength. Obviously, the Dodgers uh, are back for the third time in four seasons. Uh, first team to do that since the New York Yankees in 01, oh, oh, excuse me, 2001 and 03. And this is the second uh, appearance uh, for the Rays. All right, let's move into. John Heyman's inside corner and John, uh, we've got a lot to, to cover here. Let's, let's start with, let's start with each, uh, individual team and on that. Well, the teams that you have and, and what they're looking to do GMY slash president wise, let's start with the angels.
2: Okay. Yeah. A lot of people have thought that, uh, Dave Dombrowski would be in like Flynn there, shall we say for an old expression because of the Tony yeah, only you and I know what that means, but, uh, is Tony LaRusso is a consultant there with Artie Moreno. But, uh, you know, I think Dombrowski right now is pretty well focused on uh, on uh, Nashville and trying to get a team, an expansion team there, and being a leader in that ownership group. So I'm, I'm not even sure that he would go if asked. But I wouldn't close that door because he loves being a general manager. So I'm not going to say no, but I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Obviously, there's a million names out there from – uh, Burns and then the two guys in Arizona, Josh Burns, I'm talking about with the Angels, uh, with uh, Jared Porter and Amiel Sade. Uh, we've seen uh, Billy Owens mentioned in many places. Logan White, uh, who did a great job with the Dodgers, picking uh, Kershaw and uh, Kemp and Seeger, uh, who was the NLCS MVP, and now with the Padres. Absolutely. And then we've got Jason McLeod, John Watson. Dan Jennings. is a whole list of potential people. And once you see a whole list like that come out, I, I think it's not clear cut who it's going to be. One name whose name has been in the rumor circles was the Ex Astros GM, who's still under suspension, uh, Jeff Luno, and I've been told he is not a candidate there for whatever reason. He may be moving on to a, a, another entity beyond baseball. I'm not sure, but uh, it doesn't appear that he is a candidate there. But uh, Dombrowski is a candidate. Uh, I'm not not. It's not a foregone conclusion, though. So I would consider all those other guys. And one interesting names who's come up with a couple teams that I've heard is Ned Colletti who was a candidate uh, last time when Billy Epler got the job. And I'm not sure the Dodgers were ready uh, to approve that at that moment. But, uh, uh, you know, he's been in L.A. And he's obviously was a successful general manager in the pre-Andrew Friedman era.
1: Yeah. Love Ned. Hope he gets another opportunity. Certainly a great baseball mind. Uh, All right. Let's move to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, They got a lot of questions to answer. Among them is also their president slash
2: GM. Absolutely. And uh, they're looking at player development. And that's why a lot of people think that uh, J.G. Piccolo from the Royals could get a serious look there. They've had no interviews yet, but uh, he has a lot of uh, fans in that uh, organization. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up with that. Uh, job. He's um, done a nice job with the Royals, with their player development, and uh, so he's definitely a candidate. Uh, I could see Dan Duquette back there. Obviously, he did, a by and large, a, an excellent job with the Orioles. He set a long history in baseball. He set up the Red Sox, and Theo took him to the title there, uh, and uh, he's got a connection to John Middleton, the owner Uh, Both went to Amherst, so they've worked on different things together there. So I would consider him. And Coletti also uh, with Philly. He worked in Philly as a sports writer, believe it or not, uh, back in the day. And when I talk about the day, we're talking about more than four decades ago, I think. Uh, But uh, he could be a fit in Philly. I have heard that uh, Girardi and uh, Pat Gillick – clearly have the ear of John Middleton, which you would expect. uh, Girardi, uh, certainly a marquee manager they have, and Gillick won them a title in 2008. And uh, uh, I know that Girardi and Coletti have a long-standing history from the Cubs days. And uh, Coletti actually would have hired Girardi uh, to manage uh, the Dodgers if Girardi hadn't gotten the Yankee job. Girardi's um, goal was to get that Yankee job and then Coletti hired Torrey, which is how Girardi had that opening. Uh, we're going back a long time now, but uh, that is baseball history for you.
1: All right, John, the Miami Marlins parted ways with Michael Hill ending his tenure after 18 years. So now they have an opening. What are you hearing in Marlin
2: Yeah, the interesting thing was the the Hill departure. I don't think it was really shocking. Um, One thing that I'm not sure was out there, though, is that uh, uh, Jeter and company had considered making a move earlier. I think MLB had uh, kind of talked to him. He might have made that decision on his own to keep Mike Hill till the end. Uh, But, you know, uh, when a new ownership group comes in, they like to have their own guy. And that's basically – Uh, The main part of it, uh, certainly Jeter and Sampson had a bad parting, and Sampson uh, and Hill were tied together. Uh, I mean, I think ultimately Hill Hill did a good job. He leaves them uh, with a good future. They had an excellent year uh, looking at the trades by and large. Obviously, the Yelich trade was a disaster Uh, to this point. We'll see. It's still got some players to go, but does not look good. But look at the other trades. They wouldn't regret any of them between Stanton and Ozuna. And uh, and Gordon and Rio Muto netted them Sixto Sanchez and uh, and Alcantara and saved all that money. So I mean, Mike Hill did a good job, uh, and I'm sure he'll have a job in baseball. Um, and uh, you know, I think the names that are out there, I, I'm not really believing anything until we'll, we, get an, we get a we get a a new man in for, for Miami, but it's up to uh, Jeter and Denbo. And they have a close circle of people who they were friendly with, with the Yankees, and they've hired a lot of Yankee people. Uh, so uh, we shall see. But, uh, you know, Billy Epler's name's been out there. I'll be surprised. He's very close with Brian Cashman. Uh, Epler is, and I, I just don't see that as something the way that Jeter would go. I do think Epler, uh, in another role, uh, in another City uh, will we'll do a good job as a GM someday, but obviously Artie Moreno's a, a tough owner and that was a tough fit for him. Uh, and then Tim Nairing has been mentioned, uh, maybe a little more possible. Uh, he's another Yankee guy, but uh, you know I'm not sure that uh, Jeter is going to go with any of uh, Brian Cashman's uh, right-hand men. I just don't see that happening. We shall see. It's a mystery to me beyond uh, right now where they're going to go.
1: Okay, John, uh, one of the, I I wouldn't call them a surprise, but they found their way into the playoffs. Some people picked them, like myself, to be a dark horse in the playoffs, uh, but they also have an opening in the GM spot, and that is the Cincinnati Reds. Where are you hearing on the Reds front?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of speculation, certainly, about uh, many, including Mike Hill, who's from Cincinnati and uh, just uh, got through with an 18-year career with the. Marlins, uh, so you know I don't want to rule anything out, but uh, there seems to be some uh, momentum to perhaps just having Nick Crawl do the GM and president job. Uh, Dick Williams was a fabulous guy to deal with and got his team into the playoffs, and he just has many other business interests. I know people don't ever want to believe this about anybody, but I I think he just decided to do the other business interests. Uh, it is a twenty four seven. Uh, job as we will hear from AJ Preller, and uh, you know it's not not easy. And uh, I, at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if they just stayed status quo. All
1: right, let's move to the open coaching vac- coaching vacancies. Uh, Boston, Chicago White Sox, Detroit Tigers. The the Nationals uh, uh, have some changing in terms of coaching. Let's start with the Red Sox. What where, where are they looking at in terms of managerial change?
2: Yeah, this one's easy. I'll be surprised if it's not Alex Cora. You can get back to me and tweet me back if I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I think people believe uh, he deserves a second chance. The ownership loves him. The fans love them. I know it's up to Bloom, but I do think it will be Alex Cora. Uh,
1: White Sox, they fired uh, Ricky Granaria. Uh, what are they looking to do?
2: Yeah, they, they definitely want somebody with experience and experience with winning. That is a very, very attractive job so uh, they will be have a lot of people looking at it and the the most interesting one is uh, Tony La Russa's our friend Bob Nightingale first reported he is a, a candidate there he's had other opportunities since he left St. Louis and so I you know I'm not going to be shocked if he comes back and manages the White Sox but it might be a little surprising Jerry Reinsdorf the owner has said for years this was his biggest regret was when he had Tony Larussa as the manager and Hawk Harrison is the GM and they weren't really seeing eye to eye him firing LaRussa And then he went on to a hall of fame career with Oakland and St. Louis. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm still thinking it's not the likeliest of, of, times for him to come back 34 years later but uh he and Jerry Reinsdorf are very close and that will be up to uh, Reinsdorf uh, uh, obviously Rick Honda GM did a fantastic job there uh this year and I think they will if it's not La Russa, it will be somebody with experience I do believe uh they would have a preference uh for a uh Spanish speaking uh gentleman and Russa is that uh with their core, of their team being uh, young star Latin players. So, uh, you know, if Alex Core doesn't land in Boston, he's a candidate here. Uh, that's not a necessity, though. So, uh, AJ Hinch is a candidate there, a strong one. I do believe that. That has been written, nothing new. I do believe that. And, you know, I, I think both Showalter's name has been mentioned. Uh, I think Jim Leland and Jim Tomey uh, are consultants there and are supporters of Showalter. And uh, I could see that as a possibility as well. But I think we're looking at experience, whether it's La Russa type experience or not, uh, we shall see. But Hinch, strong candidate. Another guy I should mention, uh, Sandy Alomar, who got a little experience this year managing some games for the – a lot of games for the Indians. How about the Detroit Tigers? Yeah, you know what? uh, Pedro Grafal had an interview, and uh, they say it went well. Uh, Royals, uh, longtime coach, uh, well-respected. He's got a shot there. Uh, Mike Redmond in Colorado, uh, who's the bench coach there, has got a shot. And I think Don Kelly who was a player with the Tigers and uh, is with the Pirates now as a coach. He's got a shot. Uh, I think Hinch, is. uh, if he doesn't get the White Sox job, I think he'll get that Tigers job, though.
1: All right. Uh, there were a few coaching changes, both for the Nationals and Phillies uh, NL East uh, opponents. What, what, what changed in, in in Washington?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, Davey Martinez got his three-year contract, and he got to pick his coaches. And rather than sticking with coaches that helped him win the World Series, he's changing three of them out, as we've discussed on here before. Uh, Chip Hale, who I think is a terrific coach. Uh, Kevin Long who's also terrific. And Paul Menhart, who's been in an organization for 14 years was the pitching coach, beloved. And my understanding is he's actually, this has actually ruffled a few feathers. Some people with the Nats uh, didn't love the fact that they changed out three coaches who are well-liked and helped them win the ring. So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a gamble. Uh, Davey has his choice. That's the way it goes. You win a World Series, you get a three-year deal. And I know that he's looked at Dan Heron, who's had it. Opportunities elsewhere, I'll be surprised if he takes it now, uh, but that is a uh, an outside possibility. I think more likely he will not uh, move away from uh, – now he's working a little bit with the Diamondbacks uh, and become a full-time coach, so I don't think that's too likely. Dana Lavange is another guy whose name I've heard. And then well, I'll just skip to Philly. Uh, interesting that uh, Brian Price has decided to retire. He's 58, younger than I am, and he's retiring. Well, good for him, and congratulations. Uh, Maybe they hook up with Menhart, uh, who is now not with the Nats anymore after 14 years. But it is interesting to see the Phillies will have five pitching coaches in five years. That is not a recipe for success.
1: No, not a recipe for success at all. All right, let's talk about some players. Uh, Free agent market this offseason. I imagine will be pretty tough considering the circumstances of a pandemic and all. Uh, What what are you hearing?
2: You are absolutely right. It could be a bloodbath. I do think that the top guys will be fine. The guys uh, who we mentioned who will get qualifying offers like uh, Lemayhu and uh, Springer and uh, Realmudo and Bauer—they're all going to be fine. But my understanding is there's going to be a lot of non-tenders and. Uh, I do think that salaries will go down. It's happened in recent years once before or twice before. Uh, it did not happen for decades after Marvin Miller came in, but uh, uh, obviously the COVID situation has changed the equation, and uh, even teams like the Yankees are off of a season in which they had a very disappointing year are talking about cutting back, and I, I am sure they are not alone. In fact, uh, it will it be the vast majority of teams uh, that will be cutting back.
1: Trevor Bauer is tweeting at every team possible. His agent, <laughs> Rachel Luba, uh, says that they're open and, and will consider all types of deals. How do you see that one playing
2: out? Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, he's basically gone out there and said that he'd like prefer a one-year deal and to keep doing one-year deal. So I, I actually texted uh, uh, Rachel Luba uh, yesterday, and she answered me very promptly, very professionally, uh, that they're open to anything, which... Uh, some could take as they're moving off of that one year deal and they're willing to do or maybe even prefer a longer term deal, which, you know, if he does a one year deal off of a Cy Young or potential Cy Young season, uh, he'll be the first, uh, you know, and, you know, he is a quirky guy. So uh, maybe yeah. he will go that route. I don't know. But uh, it was interesting. And then she uh, put it on so- her answer to me. She put on social media five minutes later. So everybody in the world knows. He's open to all sorts of things. I know there are teams out there that are hopeful that he's willing to do a one-year deal. I personally will be surprised if he does do a one-year deal, but uh, uh, I will say that uh, the Yankees with Cole, who did not get along with him at UCLA. And again, we mentioned Bauer is a quirky guy, a love em or hate him guy. And uh, so I don't think the Yankees will be involved. And we just mentioned how they want to cut back. The Reds would like to bring back Trevor Bauer. uh, And certainly they like that one-year deal, but, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer, one year deal is going to be 30 million plus, even in this environment. And uh, that's not something I think the Reds want to want to go in. So uh, I don't think they're overly optimistic, whether it's one year or long term. And again, I think it'll be long term ultimately.
1: Now, guys like Trey Turner, Yadi Molina, uh, Marcel Zuna will all be looking for new deals. What's the update on their situation? And who's a team who could use a seasoned vet like Molina if he doesn't want to return back to St. Louis?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting one. First on Turner, it's a little different. Yes, he is looking for a contract, as you mentioned, a free agent in a, in a few years. Uh, and uh, the team and he both want to do it. Uh, really an incredible incredible player that is really highly underrated. We have so many uh, great young shortstops. Um, he's the only qualifying player uh, who, in both years, uh, averaged uh, 90 mile per hour off the bat, exit velocity, and... Uh, under, uh, or excuse me, over uh, 30 feet per second as they measure everything these days. I don't know if they measured that in your day, but you would have been pretty good, Tony (laughs) Gwynn. But uh, he is both in... uh, it tops in both categories, and uh, I do think he wants to stay, and they may try to work out an extension there. Uh, they will try to work out an extension there. As far as uh, Ozuna, he put himself in great position uh, with his one-year deal. He had a three-year opportunity with the Reds, had another multi-year opportunity, decided to take the one-year 18000000 million-something with Atlanta. They cannot give him the qualifying offer since he was saddled with it last year, and uh, now he will be able to take advantage. I'm with you. I, I like I love him in Atlanta. He loved it. I'd love to see him be able to stay there and work it out. Uh, yadi Molina, same thing in St. Louis. I mean, he is a legend uh, in my mind, a Hall of Famer. I'd love to see him finish it out. Uh, a little bit of news here. Um, his agent, Melvin Roman, told me he would like to get a two-year deal I play it out till he's 40. He's 38 now. And, uh, you know, whether that's in St. Louis or somewhere else, I think somebody's going to give him a two-year deal and. Judging by the fact St. Louis gave him three years at $20 million a year, I think ultimately they will give him that two-year deal. I don't think he'll get the qualifying offer. I don't know. That would be an interesting one. It's going to be those four guys that I think, and maybe Simeon. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I think it would be great for him and probably good for baseball if Yadi Molina stayed in St. Louis. And uh, I, I expect that to happen. Although, in free agency, there are no guarantees, as you know, Tony.
1: No, there are no guarantees, especially in today's free agency. Um, what's a big time baseball show without talking about the Yankees? Uh, let's let's map out the Yankees' off season plan. Uh, as you know, John, it's always World Series or bust for them, uh, and it's been eleven years of them coming up short. What are what are the franchise's top priorities in this off season?
2: Well, their number one priority is D.J. LeMahieu. they're going to give him that qualifying offer and then try to extend him. Uh, he's going to get more this time. He was fantastic both years with the Yankees. He wants to stay that ballpark fits him. So I think we're looking at at least a three year deal for D.J. LeMayhu, and good for him. He deserves it maybe even more than three years. Um, and I think they'll try with Tanaka. They'll try to bring him back. Their pitching situation uh, will be better next year with Severino uh, back at some point. Herman presumably back, uh, but I do think they'll try with Tanaka. I think they will uh, let Hap and uh, Paxton leave uh, for other pastures, shall we say. Uh, but that basically is their plan, and their plan is to cut payroll, uh, which the Yankees don't normally do in a season that is disappointing, but uh, such are the times in which we live, Tony.
1: Uh, one last one. Uh, the, in, the insider here, you know, with the shortstops we've seen, uh, especially in the playoffs, mentioning, you know, Corey Seager and, 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 and Carlos Correa, Where what will the, the free agent market at the shortstop position look like a year from now? Because you're also going to have Lindor in there. Uh,
2: it's amazing. And I think it has been reordered at this point. I think everybody yeah, yeah. thought Lindor was at the top and Baez was number two. And after this uh, Seager just taken over that NLCS and having the year that he had incredible season, um, certainly an MVP candidate. I think that'll probably go to Freddie Freeman, but Seager should be in the top five. If he's not, uh, you know, I apologize for all my writing brethren uh, story also had another great year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think he's moved up and Correa, as you mentioned, uh, fantastic uh, on the field in the clubhouse on every which way and I think he has moved up as well so it would be interesting to order those five guys now Lindor, Baez, Correa, Story and Seager all big stars all huge talents all nine figure and by that I mean 100 billion dollar plus talents but uh, uh, for me the order has changed I don't know about how about about for you Tony would you how would you order them now can you can you figure it out it's pretty tough
1: yeah no I I think I'm 100% with you I think the order definitely has changed I, I think uh, I mean, listen, you, you really get the best of of all worlds when you're talking about him. But I, I would still have Lindor at the top there. But it's probably Seager, Correa, Baez uh, at this point. I mean, and then you got, you got to add Story in there. Story's probably has an argument to be in those top three as well. The way he's played uh o- over the course of of his of his short career, but. Either way it goes, that market is going to be something amazing to see. Hopefully baseball's in a better spot, so uh, we get a chance to see the, the free agent swirl happen a, a little bit better than it has the last couple seasons for sure. All right, we've we covered a lot of ground as we get set for the World Series, the 2020 World Series that's going to be in a neutral site, a uh, globe Light field as they call it. We are going to sit back and see how this plays out. That's going to do it for this episode of Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. He's John Heyman. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. Again, he's at John Heyman. You can also follow this show, Big Time Baseball. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Until next week, we'll catch you later.
2: Okay.